welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From Wellington, New Zealand, I'm Dave Wood, and joining me from Devon, England, is Dave Knott. Okay, Dave, so we're looking at um, our show notes, and I've got app architectures uh, written down. It's been here for uh, probably two or three weeks now, and we've always found something else to talk about. <laughs> so I figured now's a good time for us to, to jump onto it. Now, looking at my notes, I think this has come about because you've been doing quite a bit of stuff, sort of app architecture related in the day job. So not to put you on the spot, but what what have you been up to? Okay, so um, in the day job, as it were, over at Paperkite, um, we've been exploring an architecture called MVP, Model View Presenter. And that comes from a point of view of um, kind of decoupling things to a degree where the separation that we've got between different components gives us a lot of benefit um, in terms of testability and and that side of things but equally it's not too far away from sort of Apple's kind of MVC view of the world Um, so yeah it's it's kind of interesting because we've looked at a lot of different architectures um, over time and and I've looked at a few outside of, of the day job as it were as well i've tried to sort of find um an architecture that that gives me flexibility um gives me the ability to mock parts of it for for testing um and i guess where i've landed is that there's there's no perfect architecture you know i mean we, we spoke about architectures um overall back in episode 38 it's almost a year uh, ago i think wasn't it yeah yeah, very much. And I think at the time I was talking um, a lot about things like Viper um, and MVVM and that that sort of thing. Um, and that was coming from you know exposure to, to projects that, that were already built in those architectures and kind of learning the ropes and finding out about them. And there's a lot of awesome things um, in both of those. And in fact, I think you know these days I kind of appreciate that every architecture has been made because somebody's tried to solve some sort of problem. Do you know what I mean? Like there, there's, it's not necessarily that, that it's just different to be quirky and different. There's, um, there's something in, in an architecture that is a problem. Somebody was trying to solve. They've expressed it with that architecture. And I guess if I think back to a year ago, maybe I was sort of hoping that there was going to be this sort of high level kind of perfect way of doing of, of building apps um where every problem was solved and that's not the case i don't believe I, th- I think each each one of these is a different take on trying to solve different sets of problems i mean i guess i wonder dave on, on your side of the fence uh, with your development you're kind of doing things in, in very much the sort of prescribed apple kind of mvc plus storyboards is that right uh pretty much yeah um I I think I always find it a little bit weird when architectures are discussed because I I find I don't really hit the limits of MVC or rather it might be that I just don't know when I'm hitting the limits of MVC and feel the need for a different architecture. Um, I suppose I take the view of if it's not broke, don't fix it, um, at least in my case as a, as a solo dev because my personal circumstances means that time is really tight anyway. So I, I've kind of... I think I just need to sort of run with MVC because um, I think if I was to start diving into different architectures, that's going to sort of have an overhead in terms of time that I, I I can't really give it at the moment. 
I don't know. Maybe yeah. if maybe if my apps were more complex, uh, maybe it would it would call for for me to assess them a bit more, or maybe if I was part of a bigger team, that might have a have a bigger role. Um, but as it's just me, I figure if I stick with MVC, I'm kind of on the right kind of course in terms of you know as far as apple are concerned we're kind of like doing the thing that they prescribe um and it works for me it's kind of where i'm at really um i don't know would you yeah. would you say if i was part of a bigger team it might yeah very much so so i think um the the benefits that i was talking about before about sort of separations of concern in terms of how you build um build out your screens and connect everything together um i think um, an architect can give you a lot of benefits when you're working in a team in that sense. Um, just simply from applying the logic of, well, okay, this is the, um, uh, for example, okay, over in, in um, model view presenter world, what we're, we're doing, our, our kind of take on this is that we've got, um, obviously you've got your data model and all that side of things. Um, and that's accessed through uh, like a, a services struct with lots of managers that is in, injected into um, into each kind of module that represents the screen. Um, that that's actually injected to the presenter, and the presenter is in charge of business logic and telling the view layer what to do. So, okay, something changes or happens in terms of um, an API call or um, the you know the the user saving some data in one part of the app, and and that is sent back through essentially through to um, a screen's presenter and then the view layer which in in our expression of this is is a view controller and a, a, a it's child view it's sort of main view which the view file is is um, everything is defined programmatically and constraints are laid out from snapkit programmatically as well mm-hmm. and I think what I'm trying to get to is by the time you've got all of these kind of separations um, if you're looking at a project brand new that somebody else has worked on, it's pretty quick then to sort of find where something should live. And and that's really, really useful if you want to get up to a speed on a project very, very quickly, you know, to sort of know, well, okay, this is going to live here, this is going to live there. Um, you know, this is an API call, so of course it's over here and it's not sort of buried, you know, halfway down um, a, a view controller's file somewhere in the middle of both view logic constraints logic and um actions that are responding to buttons and that sort of stuff um you know these things are actually they've got a home and the architecture kind of steers you along the way to finding where that home should be um yeah so i i think that's part of the main benefit for me when you're working on a, a a team by having an architecture it means that you've already had almost a bit of a uh, certainly in our case we've had a discussion about where stuff should should live um and that yeah that that makes context uh context switching uh very very easy compared to very very hard if you're sort of jumping onto something and everything's all over the place or you know got to get used to sort of one particular person's idiom of, of putting things in this part of the file or that part of the file yeah no i can imagine that sort of thinking back to my old day job there was um a period of time where quite a few developers sort of came through the door and then went out the door again and kind of each of them brought their own way of doing things and it was kind of you know one developer would quite often own one project for the most part um and of course one you know once a few people had sort of 
been and gone that that context switching of kind of figuring out their way of doing things it it, it was tough it was very very tough so I, th- I can definitely see you know the big the big advantage of like you're saying you all sort of had a chat because it's one thing taking the architecture isn't it but then i guess you kind of as a team need to figure out how you're actually going to work within the bounds of that architecture as well um, yeah absolutely yeah yeah so that sounds um, like a that there's definite benefit to be had there the only thing i will say and <laughs> this is like i say this not really knowing anything about these architectures because as i said i haven't looked into them properly um but there's a certain sort of trendiness that sort of sets off my spidey sense i guess i could say <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah you've obviously looked into them a lot more than i have but is is, is that kind of a thing within them a little bit I think it can be. Uh, I, I get the feeling that maybe um, that, that Viper gets that sort of perception uh, because I think its its implementation on iOS is is pretty involved, actually. You've got a lot of, of protocols sort of linking all different parts of a Viper module together. Yeah, and I, I, I could also see that there's... Um, there's the opportunity for there to be a new architecture very, very easily, you know, every, every six months. Because yeah. <laughs> that's kind of what I'm getting at, I think. Yeah. Uh, also, I think when you hit a certain size of project and, and, and certain types of implementations, there are rough edges to what Apple gives you. Okay. And, and there's a reason that MVC gets sort of derided as massive view controller. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so so I think because of that, I think there's always going to be a tendency, certainly for, for new iOS devs, and, and I think actually for everybody in the industry sort of to periodically kind of go, well, okay, can I make this better? You know, you hit this edge, you hit this limit, and you sort of think, well, how can I develop around this? Why am I constantly sort of up against this kind of um, grind or this problem? And so, yeah, I can totally see that the architectures in iOS can kind of have a trendiness factor after a point. This is one of the reasons I'm really liking what we've been exploring lately with this sort of MVP kind of approach, because it's kind of the way we've ended up with it. It's almost a least worst architecture as well. In some respects, it's it's different to MVC, but it's not so different that you couldn't kind of roll them back out of that and, and and drag things back into mvc if you really had to okay if you were a couple of years down the line for example and we're, and we're into some other sort of new architectural trendiness or whatever then i don't think the overhead on these modules is going to be so bad that, that somebody's sort of up against it and you know these these projects completely stink to work with um Whereas I think some of the architectures where you've got lots and lots of different parts, I think that, that they could feel a bit um, bit of a jump down the line. Also, it's worth saying that we're not just doing this as um, as like you know, the, just these parts, and then we're connecting everything together um, like you would do if in a sort of purely MVC and view controller project. We're using coordinators for flow, which you can use with MVC as well. Uh, but using coordinators for flow uh, gives us another separation of concerns, which I think is quite powerful. The coordinator itself acts as a bit of sort of a guide between how different screens connect together, because that's what it's doing. You know, it's coordinating the flow between I'm on this view controller and I'm now going to present modally or inside a navigation controller and go to this other one. Sure, uh, yeah. All of that is controlled through the coordinator, which is effectively like a, a uh, programmatic 
storyboard in terms of, of if you took the arrows between view controllers on a storyboard, the, the coordinators doing that. So I think that's that's actually pretty powerful no matter what architecture you're using. I think coordinators are awesome uh, because that is one of the bits within iOS development that I think is, is an edge I come up against quite quickly uh, is that if you've got a um, an MVC and storyboard-based project and you want to send things from one place to another, so from one screen to the next screen, there's... A bit of data that the user's input or something that they've set and you want to bring that back into the other one and use it um you're constantly kind of passing stuff between prepare for for segway yeah <laughs> yeah it's funny you yeah. say that i've been sort of prototyping um an app in the last few days and already my storyboard if you look at it there's like arrows everywhere <laughs> yep. on the segway so yeah I, I can i can totally get what you're saying there yeah and th- then your reuse is is kind of blown as well because what you, you can do, you can separate things out to um, separate storyboards and kind of use them as, as child storyboards and so you can link from one to the other. And that's great. Uh, but again, you are, you're managing state quite typically by sending stuff from one to the other. And then actually the, the previous view controller is, is chucking over whatever data is sort of needed. Um, or, 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 you know, perhaps you could send over... Um, like say a, a struct or something with dependencies on and everybody gets the same stuff and you're setting something back on one of those management objects and that's great that kind of means you don't need to think too much about this one is sending specific variables to this other one so yeah you, you come up against a point where if you want to reuse screen x over in part y of the app and it's already been defined elsewhere in the storyboard file um then you're kind of having to think about, well, okay, uh, what are the dependencies that this screen needs when it's being displayed? And how do I get them from where I am now in the app to, to then displaying that screen properly? You're kind of having to define things two or three times, depending on how, however many times you display the, the other screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so coordinator solves that problem in a lot of ways because you can kind of standardize uh, what these things are and then by having everything separated out in terms of um, the view layer being programmatic as well, uh, then you've not got to worry too much about, about that. You know, it's defined in one spot. Uh, and so in, in that sense, um, you know, like with, with storyboards, I think you can run into the issue where if you want to reuse a, a view controller in multiple places, then you've kind of got to choose between... Do I define that all on its own in a separate storyboard file and then I'm just linking that? Do you know that's one solution? Uh, or do I define it otherwise in terms of having like a, a separate zip or something like that? Um, and then you're kind of just, just linking to it blank in storyboard files wherever you're using it. Um, or what? You know, this, this sort of becomes a problem or it certainly has done for me. So, yeah, I think a coordinator actually is is the biggest architecture shift away from sort of the default that I would recommend because of the power that it just sort of gives you back as a developer. And you could run that with kind of plain old MVC. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I have done. Uh, there's there's other issues if you kind of keep going that route. One of the big ones for me with um, sort of just a purely MVC and coordinator-based approach uh, 
is actually separate to to the architecture after a point. It's actually to do with more of um, of how you make different parts of the app responsible for managing uh, different types of data. So I guess an example would be if you've got um, a manager object or something that's calling an API that uh, sets and configures the user um, and perhaps receives information about the logged in user from the API. You might have an account screen where you get to update the name, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm logged in, I've got, I've got my, my name, I'm, I'm Dave Wood. I go to update that, that comes back from the API, and then there's other parts of the app that might need to express that name, you know, beyond that, that account settings screen or whatever that is. Um, as soon as you've got more than one that needs to, to kind of respond to changes in that state, uh, then you've got to think about, do I have like a, a delegate callback here? Um, or, or what do I do? Because if you've got a, a, a delegate um, kind of protocol that's coming off of, of, of that, so another object is then able to receive updates on, on the user when they change, then you have to also start thinking then about having multiple delegates if you've got multiple views that are responding to those changes. Um, and that's not necessarily an architecture thing um, as much as it's actually a choice in terms of how you, you communicate data back through the app. Uh, but I think in, in MVC, it can become quite quickly a, a, a scenario where you've got lots and lots of delegates on the go for very, very specific things, uh, just to sort of pass these these changes back through the app. It's interesting, um, kind of you were a few moments ago describing about the coordinator thing. Quite a few of the things you were saying, I'm thinking, yep, I've just come across that, like kind of prototyping this app. So maybe, um, maybe it would be worth me looking at... Um, a coordinator to kind of just layer on top of MVC, if nothing else, um, that yes. does sound like it could be a good approach. I'd say so, and especially if you're already making the um, the jump out of storyboards to defining things with SnapKit or anything like that. Um, you know, if you're defining things programmatically, then there comes a point where, well, what have you got after that in a storyboard file? You're just using it for flow. Um, and potentially taking a bit of a basic preview of what the, the views are doing. And if you're doing everything else programmatically to define what, what's in the view, mm-hmm. um, then you may as well be using a coordinator at that point because I'd say the storyboards are not doing anything other than a basic flow. Yeah, so really the, <laughs> the coordinator is like kind of doing your segues programmatically in a way. Yes, yeah, yeah very much. And um, it's funny, um, I kind of feel like i am almost at that point with it like if i look at my storyboard like you say it's, it's not doing a lot other than there being loads of arrows going between those different places <laughs> and it's almost yeah. looking like a bit of a, a nest of you know a bit of a rat's nest in there so um yeah yeah it might be worth looking into that some more um like i say I'm, I'm quite reluctant to to kind of move away from mvc just because of the amount of time i have but that being said if i am coming up against the edge of something i'm more than willing to look into something that can solve it I, I guess i do take the view that if it's not broke don't fix it but um yeah i think in this instance this could actually be a, a pretty good cool yeah i mean like i say i really really appreciate um having having a coordinator in almost any project these days um and that the, the beauty is is that more than one coordinator can kind of pass things on to another coordinator as well so they the, the can be quite flexible to sort of defend, depending on what your 
definition of that is. And I think it's important to remember there is no one standard coordinator as well. You know, a coordinator is literally just a, an object or a protocol that you've defined uh, that manages view controllers. So, yeah. you know, you, it's probably good to take a, a decent example and kind of iterate out from that. But really, if you want to change it, um, it's totally up to you. You know, there, there's no prescribed way of, of kind of building these things, um, which I think is, is a flexibility. And it's also a little bit of a... Um, no, a bit of a problem i guess in terms of like well this is one of those things where how you build one of these objects could change over time you know so so future you in five years time may well define a, a coordinator quite differently to how you would do it now uh, that's perhaps something to watch out for but if you stay simple uh, then i think it's not too rough you know um i think the coordinators could be um kind of like a useful thing that could actually solve a bit of a problem. Um, yeah. As for the other stuff, I I don't know if it would pay pay a dividend for kind of what I'm up to. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's I feel tricky. like maybe I should be more open to things like this. I kind of feel like, you know, I, I think of this kind of stuff much like running a server, just kind of keep it as boring and as standard as possible. But maybe that's the wrong way to be looking at it. I don't know. So I, I think for... Um for a solo dev, which you know, is obviously your situation, it's my situation for any of my side projects, then I think that's very much a, a consideration you've got to have. Is okay, how complicated am I going to make things under the hood? And that decision, co- <clears throat> that decision comes with um, an overhead for future you, maintainability, being able to just sort of jump in when you're kind of coding in fragments of time. Um, and those are different concerns to sort of being in a team sharing a code base, you know, people being off off sick, going on holiday, and you've kind of got to take on a project without necessarily having a handover and all those sort of things, you know, very different sort of concerns. Um, so, yeah, I think you do have to be mindful not to overcomplicate your world and kind of look for the, um, the trade-off, look for the benefit that this thing is bringing you because all it is is it's just a different way of laying out your your files and your projects and, and, and kind of linking your objects together. Uh, but if you've got lots and lots of hoops to jump over each time, then you're kind of just coding for the sake of coding when you're on your own. And that's something to be aware of, you know, so yeah. you could have like a really involved architecture that atomizes absolutely everything and makes it completely mockable, testable and, and, and everything else. Uh, but if you're spending two hours of setup every single time you want to just define a a simple view controller, uh, then you probably lost something. It's a solo dev, you know, you're giving yourself an overhead that you just don't need. Yeah. The only Uh, thing that could sway me is testing. And I feel like testing is something I want to look into a lot more. Um, especially if I was to run with this RSS app, which I'm thinking like I might, um, especially with it being RSS, essentially at the moment to test it, I'm basically pointing at my own site yeah, uh, but I I would like to kind of have some kind of data locally that I can test against that kind of that I know is wrong and will like flag an error that kind of thing. Yeah, that that's absolutely where like you know setting things up to be um, mockable and and therefore kind of testable after a point and managing like dependency injection and that sort of stuff um, kind of pays you back. So 
I think testing to me is like a a whole new world I haven't even dared look at. And I don't know if I can just do it kind of vanilla in Xcode. Um, Do I need to adopt a new brand new architecture or or anything like that? Or can I kind of take what I have and lay tests on top of it somehow? I mean, I I don't know the answer to any of this stuff. I need to do some reading, but... Yeah. um, Yeah, so I mean, from, from the testing that I've done and the experience that I've got there, I would say that you can kind of... Um, kind of beat it to fit after a point in terms of like you could take a, an existing sort of view controller and um, probably make a few bare edits to sort of make it easier to test but I think you would come up against um, issues of like the dependencies that this thing has um, just in terms of like okay you've, you've probably got either a manager object somewhere in the background or you're literally making individual calls inside of the view controller that talk to um, an API to then drag that data down um, and doing those sort of things. Um, if you've built it in such a way where that logic is sort of, um, it's happening in lots of different places, uh, then I think you may end up finding that quite difficult to test after a point. And there are certain types of calls that are almost impossible to test because they go off asynchronously and when they deliver data back, you know, it's indeterminate as to when that comes back. And you can you can build tests that kind of do delays and wait for things. Um, but if you've set it up in the first place where things are sort of coming back um, by delegation or in very specific kind of, of uh, pathways and patterns... And you've you've set things up with your your views where everything they, that they need to set up is um, defined by some sort of protocol or manager object that's injected into it on its initialization. Then when you come to sort of test the state and these things out um, abstractly in a unit test, um, it's very easy then to get down to just testing the bit that you need. Uh, so yeah, I could see with with this app in particular, you, you, thinking about some of this stuff up front could pay you back later on when you're sort of coming to think about adding tests. Hmm. But it's very very hard if you're sort of coming at this stuff without having um, experienced some of this before. It's very very hard to predict what you might need. Uh, so I, I guess I would say if you think that this is likely to be something you're going to be doing specifically in this area of the app, it might be worth actually kind of testing some of this stuff, um, <laughs> testing the tests in, in an isolated project, you know, just to sort of get a grip and get a feel of, of kind of how this setup can work. Because, yeah, otherwise the, the, the other thing you've got in the balance is um, you could be six months, a year down the line, everything's working. Um, but then you go to add the tests in and it's actually a major refactor or whatever to to bring them in. Also, it's probably important to bear in mind, you don't necessarily need to test everything. No, I mean, the, the main thing I want to do is just kind of have some tests that can like run through a load of RSS feeds. Some I know are kind of intentionally broken, some are not. Some are different in certain ways and just kind of see how it handles each one. Yeah. Um, and that's basically all handled through uh, like a, a, a class at the moment. Um separate from all the other stuff um, yeah so it may well be that you just need to test your your manager class or whatever it is that's yeah. working with the, the data um and then at that point that's that's quite an easier thing to do you know uh, because you can just sort of control the initialization of that class um 
and potentially set things up in terms of like, well, okay, when it goes to grab the data from, from over here, that's my injection point in terms of bringing in these, um, these broken files and bits of data. And I think there's a few uh, libraries and projects that could probably help you with that as well. Hmm. Um, so, so there's a, a few things out there where you can um, kind of stub and replace the, um, the data that comes back from uh, different URL calls. And so you could have, okay, this is my, um, this is the, the URL I'm trying to call. And when it calls, um, the library actually kicks in and delivers the broken data or which, whichever bit it is that you want to test. But I think, like I say, with, um, with an indie project, this sort of thing, you should be really thinking about, well, okay, what, what's the benefit? And for, for this side of stuff, I can t- totally see the benefit, you know, for a project that's working with lots of different RSS data, um, it's probably important that its manager has um, some sort of stability and testability kind of baked in from the start. Uh, it's probably less important to unit test every single aspect of every single screen that you're using to talk to that manager, you know, because some of those things will fall out out of beta testing and just kind of visually looking through uh, the, the app once it's built and that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah, so there's there's a rabbit hole with all of this stuff, um, and it's just a case of sort of deciding, well, okay, how far down do you want to go? Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes, or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button, that will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, also we have our slack channel we'd love to invite you to join our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out if you'd like to join uh, just leave us a message on twitter at wfr podcast and we'll get you signed up so dave before we run off where can people find you you can find me on twitter at dw roboheads that's robohead spelled with a z and you can find my apps at roboheads.com again that's robohead spelled with a z how about you, Dave? You can follow me online at davenot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore davenot.